Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. In San Francisco, the people of San Francisco are about to decide whether to retain or recall their district attorney, Chesa Boudin. The Soros-backed prosecutor driving even liberal San Francisco crazy. And in Chicago, the Chicago Tribune endorses Tony Preckwinkle, Boss Preckwinkle, she of the sensible shoes, for re-election, without mentioning ever once Kim Fox and the crime, the crime, the spike in crime that's going on throughout the city, tearing the city apart, and doesn't mention Tony Preckwinkle as being at the center of that web. Isn't that odd? What is going on with journalism? What is going on with politics? Well, we'll ask Tom Bevan, co-founder and president of Real Clear Politics, the site that aggregates and publishes both opinion from the left, the center, and the right. And Jeff Carlin is here, as always, my friend, co-host, and I'm John Cass, husband, father, Greek Orthodox Christian, editor-in-chief of johncassnews.com. With the city in turmoil and Tony Preckwinkle getting a big hug, hug from the Chicago Tribune, with violence all around, where are you? You're on the Chicago Way podcast on WGN+. Plus. Look, the, the, the Chicago Way is a deep cultural phenomenon. It's the Chicago Way. The Chicago Way. That's the focus. In a tower by the river, there lived a man. There was a man who took a stand with pen and paper in his hand. Defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword. No escape from his ink lasso in a tower by the river. Castle. Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. All right. Welcome to another edition of the Chicago Way podcast, as I promised. Our guest, Tom Bevan, co-founder, president of the Real Clear Politics Empire, and uh, my friend from a, for a long time now, years and years ago, we met. I think How it did was we on meet, the Milt. John? Pardon me. How did we meet? I think it was on the Milt Rosenberg show. I think that's right. And we were talking about an excellent episode, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, you know, being with Milt is like, you know, you have to. Oh, man. Right. right? Mm-hmm. I loved Milt, but man, I hated I 
I love doing his show. I just hated what I had to do to do his show. I had to drive down there. It was like 11 o'clock at night (laughs) (laughs) from Evanston. It was like a 30 minute drive. And then we go till midnight or one or whatever. Right. And then I'd have to drive home. But, uh, but I did it because I I really did always enjoy his program. Oh, man. I did as well. Yeah. But, but at least you got to go home. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I was I was stuck down there at, down there at the paper that shall not be named for uh, you know since the morning. Would you just sleep in your office? How many bologna sandwiches can you eat for dinner? I don't know. <laughs> Fried bologna at uh, at the uh, Billy Goat. No, I was I just gonna say. No wonder you're always at the Billy Goat. <laughs> <laughs> Where else? I met you there a couple times there. too. Yeah, right. Where else? <laughs> well, there's nothing like you know when you're. You're scrounging for quarters in your pocket, but you see a, a a big, you know, ample supply of pickles. There's nothing like that. <laughs> oh man, best pickles on earth, and they won't tell you what the recipe is. It's uh, the family secret. Yeah, I think it's quick pickling. Is, is my <laughs> guess? <laughs> Probably. Anyway, all right. So uh, we've got two. We've got a couple things going on. First of all, let's bring the listeners up to date with what's going on with Tom Bevan, because uh, I had once been a regular on your show in, on WLS, and now I see that every day or every, thereabouts, I think it's every day, you're doing a podcast called The Takeaway for Real Clear Politics. Tell me about that and what happened to the WLS show. You know, the WLS show was always a, a real labor of love. Um, it was, uh, I, I mean, I did it for, for 10 years, years 11 right. years, actually, which is shocking. And I remember uh, Drew Hayes, who was the program director there, right. uh, station manager, I should say. And Tracy Slutskin was the program director. Once upon a time had asked me to, to you know, whether I wanted to, I'd been doing guests hits on the shit, you know, various shows right. um, at WLS. And they asked me if I'd ever done radio before. And I said, well, n- no. And they said, do you want to give it a shot? I was like, I don't know how to do radio. And so, and I never forget. Drew said, of course you do. It's just more of what you're doing. You just, you know, you're already doing it. You just don't now, now you'd be doing it, you know, a little bit more. So he just so, put me on air. It's like with no training, no nothing. I mean, I was, I was so bad. I mean, I really was. <laughs> oh, come on. It was good. That's good where you and I met. That's where I met good Tom. Evening. Good evening and welcome to. The yeah, Tom and I, I, I don't know if I've told this story before, but you know, so Tom Roser had yeah. had a show, right? Uh, that he had had his time slot for like seventeen years or something. He had been sort of an institution there, and as were you. Well, the thing is, he had gotten sick and couldn't do his show, and so they asked me to right. fill in for him. And I, I remember I was sitting at the. I was sitting at the table in my house, you know, the show was going to happen. I think at eight o'clock on, I think it was Saturday night, maybe. Um, and I got a call at about three in the afternoon saying he passed away. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was my first radio show was, was to my, go my on air and tell too. everybody that their beloved host who they'd been listening to for two decades was no longer. Um, and I, I knew of Tom, but I didn't know Tom. And so I was just mortified about how I'm going to fill the time and what I'm going to talk about because, um, and a, a, an acquaintance up here named John Powers who knew Tom quite well yes. was, was very gracious and, and um, 
helped me out. I picked him up and took him down to the, to the station and he sat in the studio with me and helped me, you know, tell stories about Tom and, and we took calls from listeners and, and all that. So, but that was my first show. Um, and I wish I had been a better host, more experienced host to be able to do, you know, navigate that. But yeah. And then it's just one of those things, like you start doing it and, and it, you get your own sort of inertia and momentum and, and uh, you keep doing it. And next thing you know, you've been doing it 11 years and, but eventually it's just, it got to be, you know, Too sort much. of, yeah, a little bit with all the other stuff that was going on. As you mentioned, I got a bunch of kids doing a bunch of, you know, Sundays used to be a, a day. Yeah. A day where I didn't have a lot going on and that's right. no longer the case. So, um, and we have this podcast going on at uh, real clear politics. So we're doing the takeaway. We do it Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, Tuesdays and Thursdays are just Carl Cannon and I sort of, chit chatting about the the news of the day for a, you know maybe 10 minutes or so it's not a real long thing and then on on fridays we do a a more fulsome version that's about 30 to 45 minutes that's hosted by andy walworth um who's great and and carl and i are usually on and then we have a we have another guest and the four of us will talk through the news of the of the week and uh so yeah, it's good. I mean, we it's 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 fun, it's enjoyable, and um and I'm doing it for for real clear as opposed to WLS. So I signed it's nice up. To, it's nice to have my Sundays back a little bit too. Yeah, but so you could coach Little League. Exactly. You scream at the parents, but that's another issue. Okay. I don't want to see <laughs> I do this. not scream at the parents. I want to see Tom Bevin chewing tobacco, going up to a 10 year old saying, there is no tomorrow. <laughs> There's you know? no crying in baseball. Right. No. The, and, and thankfully the parents are, are, you know, not yelling at me when I coach. I mean, they're all very, everyone's very well-mannered and we, this is not, I have a buddy of mine who just moved here, moved to Chicago area. He'd lived in Houston for, oh. I don't know, 20 years. And right. his kids all played, you know, travel baseball down there. And he said it was awful because all the parents, everybody thought that their kid was going to be a major leaguer. And right. so they were constantly bitching and moaning about playing time and the coaches and all that stuff. That's not the case here. We all know our kids are not going to, you know, <laughs> it's not the right. same level of intensity. And so it's much more enjoyable. Well, okay, on the podcast, the takeaway podcast at Real Clear Politics, the way I get it is I, I get no email notifications through my email. Um, is that how most people get it? Because I think I, that must mean I've signed up or something. I've been uh, you can get signed it up to Carl Cannon's <laughs> newsletter, which I love. Yeah, no, you can get it uh, via email. You can also just go to, you know, it's on Apple, the Apple Podcasts. Um, it's uh, where you can find it on, you know, go to Real Clear Politics, and it's usually right there. I mean, I, I, right. if, if you're on Twitter, I tweet it out every time we have, we, we, we do an episode, so you can find it that way. So, um, yeah, it, it should be pretty accessible to folks who want to take a listen. Well, okay. Well, let's get to down to the yeah. business of podcasting here, Jeff Carlin. Do it. <laughs> All right. So, first up, uh, I'm going to grab this one. The uh, Chicago Tribune uh, gets a Mutza this week for endorsing Tony Preckwinkle, the protector of the Soros-backed prosecutor, Kim Fox. And the same time this is happening this week, Chase Boudin, the Soros-backed prosecutor in San Francisco, 
Raised by Wolves here in Chicago by Bernadine Dorn and uh, William Ayers of Weather Underground, is now out there trying to hold on to his political life and career. Uh, what is going on with the prosecutor and the pushback from the people in their various districts? What's happening here in this country nationwide, Tom? What do you see? I see a real backlash to, and you mentioned Chase Boudin. I mean, this is the most liberal, um, you know, city in in America, in San Francisco, and and they have reached a point with the you know sort of rampant public drug use, uh, the increase in in violent crime, uh, you know, the general filth and all that. I mean, even Ugh. the you know the the mayor, London Breed, who who was also very left wing said famously uh you know a few months ago that like we're gonna stop the bullshit uh that's ruining our city now chase boudin has you know he's been at odds with the police chief there he's been at odds with the mayor he is promoting you know all of this sort of you know criminal justice reform which essentially amounts to uh you know sort of going going soft yeah yeah exactly going soft on on uh all sorts of you know misdemeanors and and even some felonies and that kind of thing. He did say the other day he gave an interview with the San Francisco Chronicle and said with a straight face that he never joined the call to defund the police. Um, oh which God. which after about you know two seconds of googling, you can find that he was yeah. <laughs> at an event with Ayanna Presley, the uh, squad member congresswoman from Massachusetts, who. They did an event together in San Francisco where they talked explicitly about uh, defunding the police. And he was actually differentiating that from abolishing the police. He said, we can talk about abolishing the police, you know, and envisioning a world where we get to where we don't need a police force. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, taking monies from police forces and redistributing them to, you know, other sort of, uh, you know, mental health and and uh, other sorts of programs that uh, that would be more beneficial for the community. And so, um, and obviously he's he's lying about his record because, as you mentioned, on June seventh, he is on the ballot to be recalled, and it looks like an almost certainty that he will be recalled uh, in San Francisco. And we've seen similar thing with uh the the liberal da in in uh los angeles we have a mayor's race where a centrist billionaire former republican who is is running against karen bass and appears to be getting traction in the polls there um you know we obviously saw what happened with with eric adams in new york so we'll see if if that backlash sort of extends itself to to Chicago and the mayor's race here. I, I just loaded into uh, the website, Real Clear Politics, and left calm this interview that uh, Ray Lopez gave to Jesse Waters of Fox News, where he just absolutely excoriated um, Lori Lightfoot over her inability to get, not just inability, her enabling of violent criminals in, in the city of Chicago. And, and not only the fact that that people are getting shot and gunned down at a very disturbing clip and have been for some time in this city, but also now, you know, we've had two cops shot in the last three days or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it'll be interesting to see whether, and you mentioned the, so it'll be interesting to see 
uh, how these things line up and, and whether that backlash extends. Clearly, it didn't extend to the Tribune newsroom, the editorial department of the Tribune, the Chicago Tribune. But, uh, but we'll see what voters have to say when, when, when the time comes. The issue, I guess, is uh, my parochial interests aside, you know, revenge is a dish best served cold, and there's not none better than the Mutsa for, for that. But um, I would say that nationally, the people don't like the crime. I think uh, crime is an issue because people are fearful of it, rightly so. And yet I mm-hmm. get the sense and I, I was li- listening to Dan Henninger on the other day on the, on, from the Wall Street Journal, and he was talking about how he didn't think the pro- progressive prosecutors were really getting the message, or if they were, they were just ignoring it. Like, in other words, they were willing to thwart the sentiments of the people in order to just keep pushing this stuff through. Yeah, it's that's scary, and and you're seeing it in polls too, uh, right, Tom? I mean, I know that, that that it seems like crime is top of mind for almost everybody, but it's not the the most the biggest thing all around. I mean, the economy is is in such a disarray at the moment. Um, what's some of the stuff, the poll numbers that you think are really interesting over the last past week? I know that there have been a lot of approval rating types uh, polls put out there over the last seven or eight days. Uh, anything you see out there that you really like or want people to know about? Well, I mean, there was a poll that just came out this morning from ABC News and Ipsos uh, talking about, you know, Biden's approval rating on some of these top issues. Um, you know, his his approval rating is 28 percent on inflation, 27 percent on gas, 38 percent on crime, 35 percent on gun violence, 41 percent on abortion, 56 percent on covid. Um, and Republican voters have a have a 13 point enthusiasm gap over democratic voters uh, in terms of their, you know, looking at the, at how engaged they are in the election at this point. But as you mentioned, I mean, the top issues, it was inflation, the economy, gun violence is uh, at 17% for obvious reasons, given the news of the last week, abortion is at 12, which again, still um, was higher than that in the initial, you know, immediate aftermath of that leaked Supreme court case on row which we oh. will get a final decision on which again will will drive that issue uh higher in the minds of voters at least for you know the time being um gas prices shockingly in in this abc poll were only at eight percent now you could say well that's part of inflation it's part of the economy so maybe um maybe that's a little bit misleading immigration six percent and that's again that's one of those issues that you know if you if you dig into the the partisan aspect of that, you know, for Republicans, it's probably 25% for Democrats mm-hmm. is one. And for independents, it's, you know, maybe five or eight or something. Sure. So but gas um, prices only 8%. Yeah, wow. yeah. In this poll, but inflation, you know, yeah. I mean, listen, you look at, you take the inflation, inflation, the economy and gas prices, and you're at like 48%. And the next yeah. biggest issue is gun violence at 17. I mean, so, I mean, there's no question, but to your point, I do think, you know, crime and education are two of those those issues that really do affect, especially when like in, in the city of Chicago, for example, but you look at other big cities in Atlanta and and some of these swing states, you know, Phoenix area, when when crime starts moving into the suburbs, 
when, when you start having carjackings and muggings and things going on in, you know, Lincoln park, Rogers park, uh, where I live in Evanston, um, that really gets the attention of, of people who are, again, you know, hardcore Democrats in the city of Chicago, are they ever going to vote for anybody other than a Democrat? No, no they're, no, that's yeah. just not going to happen. It doesn't matter how bad the city gets. Um, it's just not going to happen. But when you get in the suburbs and you start having, uh, and these are the voters that voted against the Republicans in 2018, they, you know, didn't like Donald Trump, women in particular, suburban women, um, but they are very concerned about crime. They are very concerned about education and some of the stuff that's been going on with the education system. And so those are the kind of issues that I think Democrats are struggling with because they're losing ground on those issues with that constituency, which is, which is obviously very important uh, for them if they want to have any chance of, of holding the Senate. I, I mean, I don't think there's any chance of them holding the House at this point. So um, the issue mix is not great for Democrats, continues to be uh, a real headwind for them. And I'm not sure what's going to change that between right. between now and the election. I mean, it looks like it's, if anything, it might get a little worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well, what I was we, saying this week. We had the gun issue, you know, with the Uvalde killings and Beto O'Rourke uh, doing his grandstanding. And I, I'm wondering whether all this folds together in the sense that Yes, I mean, who wants, no sensible person wants a deranged madman to be holding a gun and shooting uh, babies. But then when you, when you apply it, you know, when you use the law to enforce, uh, that involves the Constitution and getting rid of the Second Amendment. And I wonder, here's the political issue. Have for both of you, have Americans forgotten what they were going through just two summers ago when uh, suburban moms were terrified about going to Oak Brook for shopping and lunch and uh, suburban moms were signing on to uh, internet devices, you know, to, to their phones to listen to police scanners and running, rushing to gun stores to buy guns uh, to defend and protect their family because they could see what was happening. Have they? Have we forgotten that? Has politics forgotten that? Is that for me or for Jeff? For, for you, Tom, <laughs> first. Um, I don't, I mean, it is kind of, <laughs> we are starting to see some of, uh, some of that, um, I don't think people have forgotten. I'm not sure what lessons have been learned, maybe not the right lessons. So we may end up seeing, you know, a repeat of that, at least to a certain degree. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, these, these mass shootings are one of those situations and we, it's, it's the same movie over and over again, right? Yeah. It's the same exact script about how it happens. You know, both sides jump to sort of the, the rote arguments on either side, get Democrats want more gun control. Republicans, you know, say it's mental health issue and don't try and take away my second amendment rights and Congress. And meanwhile, you know, the country grieves 
particularly in the case of children. I mean, it's impossible to look at the the pictures of these kids and not um, think of your own kids and just absolutely your heart breaks. Uh, And so they, you know, people want that to stop. They want action. They want something to be done. The problem is um, that it's, it is a complicated issue. Number one. And number two, our, our two sides are, are so divided now that, and dysfunctional that they can't even come to any sort of agreement. I mean, maybe they will this time. There's talk, you know, John Cornyn's talking with, you know, uh, Chris Murphy and, and, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see whether anything comes out of that, that could win enough votes, but because our system is, is so dysfunctional and, um, you know, the two sides, they don't even like each other anymore. I mean, they, they actually hate each other when you have left wing people go on TV and say, Republicans want to kill children. Um, you know, that that's not going to res- result in productive you know, dialogue. legislation, dialogue, anything. I mean, it's just, it's, we don't even speak it, the same language anymore. We don't. And in fact, you know, even more broadly than the gun issue, it's like the each side sees the other side now as an existential threat, right? The left sees the right as, you know, the authoritarians, the insurrectionists, the racists, the, they don't deserve and should never be in power ever again. And, you know, the right sees the left as the, woke social justice Marxist, you know, uh, people, groomers who are trying to kill, you know, indoctrinate our children and, and kill the country. And so for both sides, I wouldn't go so far as to say groomers and all that, but social justice warrior, Jacobin Marxist. Yes, I'll agree. Okay. (laughs) But, but, but so, but I'm just highlighting the sort of apocalyptic language and rhetoric that both sides use now so that it's no longer, you know, people of goodwill that are disagreeing about, you know, issues and whatnot. It is literally a fight for the soul of the country. And when it's framed in those terms it's, and, and the country is as evenly divided as it is, um, you know, you're just not going to get anything done. And Biden's not doing anything, quite frankly, to, yeah. to help the situation. He is not being the centrist he is not sitting people down and trying to get them to you know talk about you know how to end this war in ukraine how to you know get something done on guns how to move the economy forward and deal with inflation it is you know he is um he's fallen short in that regard and obviously he's paying a political price for it we are speaking with tom bevan co-founder of real clear politics my friend and um, longtime friend and a baseball coach. And uh, I'd like to know where is media going now? Because I see that the Sussman trial, for example, um, I'm just looking at real clear and I, I just want everyone who's listening to go to real clear as often as you can, because you'll see a cross section of opinion and analysis from the left and the right, which is what newspapers used to offer and they no longer offer. But I'm seeing something uh, from Margaret Carlson on the left saying, will Merrick Garland fire John Durham? This is, we're recording this Sunday. Um, Where do you see journalism going? Tom? <laughs> well, we've talked about this a little bit over the years, John. Yes. And I I have always been um 
a pessimist in regard to the the trend of of journalism. You know, Carl Cannon, my uh, executive editor and Washington bureau chief, is he continues to be um, have have hope that you know journalism can return to its roots and right the ship and and figure things out. I just don't see it. I mean, I, I just see that the way the media conducts itself these days is so partisan, is so activist, yeah. is so narrative based that um, there there just isn't any there isn't any honest news organ. There are certainly there are some honest reporters that work even at places like the Washington Post and and the New York Times or whatnot. Yes. But but by and large. Um, as organizations, they have, they have, you know, taken on um, as part of their DNA, this sort of, you know, woke social justice. Their job now is, is not to, uh, you know, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. It is, it is to drive forward um, in various different ways uh, this agenda that they all they all seem to believe in, and so for that reason, I'm just like it's it's a disaster for people. I think you're gonna you know news consumers and and obviously you know people are are reading things that reinforce their worldviews. They're not. I mean, one of the things as you mentioned, we still try to do is to put up pieces, and we hope that people read both of those pieces. Right, yes. read. Margaret Carlson and read Roger Kimball, who's right below her from American Greatness, saying that the Sussman verdict is a thumb in the eye of the justice system. I think that the trial itself was kind of an interesting encapsulation. I mean, you had this guy who's on trial for lying to the FBI. Okay. Not like, you know, it's not like he was a, you know, murderer and rapist. I mean, it was a lying to the FBI charge. Okay. Which is exactly what a number of the, of the folks who, who, uh, Mueller's team were charged with lying to the FBI, right? Right. And including Michael Flynn and some of these other folks. Uh, and the media covered those trials as if they were, you know, the be all end all. Apocalypse. This trial, this right. trial, they didn't cover at all. I mean, zero outside of the conservative media, yeah. right? MSNBC, CNN, ABC. I mean, they just absolutely, you couldn't find it if you wanted to until the verdict came out. And because the verdict, was in line with their, you know, their sort of preconceived narrative that this was all a, a witch hunt and a hoax and all that. Then there was all of this celebrating and gloating and all that about, you know, what a what a partisan disaster this was for Republicans and for Trump and for mm. all that stuff. So um, in that way, the, the, the Sussman trial really did sort of, you know, reconfirm all of the worst things that we know to be true about journalism and, and the biases that exist. Um, and I, you know, I've always said this, I don't particularly care if to me, it's not an issue of, it's an issue of partisanship, but to me, it's just an issue of fairness. Like if something's a story, it's a story, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, treat stories the same way. If you're going to ignore Hunter Biden's, you know, laptop, um, you know, you you have to ignore all of the other things that, you know, from uh, Don Trump Jr. and Eric Trump and Ivanka and Jared. But that's not how the media operated. Um, you know, if you're going to if you're going to say something is a story 
for whatever reason. It has to be a story, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat that's involved. And the media just hasn't, they don't do that. And, and for that reason, they're not held in high regard. They're held in very low regard. And it's going to continue to be that way because they're not going to change their behavior. So I. So is there is there any reason or any reason to question anymore the fact that we don't speak in the same language? We can't deal, uh, come together and deal with complicated, dangerous events like school shootings because our media as a reflection of our own voices um, can only speak and not listen. And when you're, when you're managing a baseball team uh, and I've done it, you know, my own kids, uh, your kids want to pitch, but you don't let your kids pitch all the time because you're run, because you're responsible for all these other kids. Right. And you, and, and, if a kid can't pitch, you don't leave them in just to get get pounded after after a while. You you help them out because it's about dealing with everybody on the team and their parents and everyone else that extends from the outward. But I, I just don't see this happening politically. Uh, it's like uh, Sussman. Uh, Sussman was not convicted by a jury of. With, that involved Clinton donors, and we don't even mention <laughs> it. And uh, we just move on and, and play play the right. game where we stress the things that help us and not the things that don't help us. That's yeah. not leadership to me. That's not leadership at all. No, and I'm just saying. Yeah, and I think both parties are you know guilty of it. And, and but it's it's even that is more guilty that people have the blind spots or even their their prejudices they don't, they talk about. You know, we have all these ideas of ingrained prejudices that we don't even think about or whatever. And you have people predominantly on the left being more bold about it, but will not even engage or look at anything on the other side. You know, this, this idea that we're all in these silos of echo chambers of what we like and what we think is the right way. And Tom, your site is doing a lot to fix that or not to fix that, but to at least give you the opportunity to, to see both sides of things. I don't know what it's going to take. It's, it, I mean, it's got to be some sort of outside force because you always look at things in like, you know, especially in physics, it's like the it's contained ecosystem and then things are happening and, and they're not going to change course unless there's some sort of outside force. And we, our culture now is spinning and spiraling towards this, you know, weird us versus them mentality. And I think it's going to take some sort of outside force. And I don't know what that outside force is, if it's a, a global destabilization that's we've kind of seen the whispers of around the world already, or it's you know, aliens, who knows, whatever the hell it's going to be, some climate disaster. But it's not school shootings because they keep happening and and that stuff's not bringing people together at all. It's driving us apart. Um, Tom, have you seen anywhere or any other sites or any other places you're looking around that are doing a good job of at least trying to temper that idea that it's us versus them? Because I see it everywhere. In every media outlet, it seems like even the wording of headlines and things are more and more pointed as my perspective versus someone else's perspective. What's your take on any of that? Yeah. I mean, you'd like to think that, that news organizations, right. I mean, obviously if you go to, you know, national review or the nation or the new Republic, you can get your liberal and conservative opinions. Um, You'd like to think that in the news divisions of the New York times and the wall street journal and the Washington post that, that you'd be getting sort of the straight news, but you just, you're, you don't, you get, 
um, you get narrative based news that is um, that is all sort of framed a certain way for, you know, to, to either highlight uh, something favorably or unfavorably, whichever the, the, the author seems to, you know, whatever their, their agenda is. Um, and so it is tough. I mean, I, you know, I tell people when people ask me, cause I, I get people coming up to me all the time. I just want the news. I just want facts. And why can't right. I just get facts? Where, where can I get facts? And I, and I tell them, I mean, listen, the unfortunate thing is, you know, you can't trust anything. You, I mean, if you go to the New York times, you have to read it, understanding a story from the New York times. You have to read it, understanding the biases that are, you know, implicit in, the headline and the first, you know, the lead paragraph. And, you know, as you read through it um, and then you need to go read something from the Washington times or some sort of conservative outlet, you know, the Washington examiner, a story on the same subject to get kind of the other sides framing of an issue. And you have to be able to, it's a lot harder for news consumers because you got to do more work to figure out where the truth is. Yeah. it's, Um, it's, It's like you have to study. You do almost. And, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's like, um, you know, this and the, the media does, I mean, these school, these shootings, these mass shootings that have gone on. Okay. Obviously, you know, the, the white 18 year old goes into a a grocery store in Buffalo and guns down 10 African-Americans and it's absolutely 100%, you know, uh, racist hate crime and, and the media, plays it as such, right? As, as prominently as possible. Um, you know, and then you have a Hispanic kid who goes into a school and shoots mostly Hispanic children. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a terrible tragedy, but there's no, you know, there's no talk about his, his, uh, you know, ethnicity or, and then you get the Tulsa shooting where you've got a, you know, I think it was a 40 year old black guy walks in and shoots his surgeon. And, you know, it's his race is never mentioned or it's buried in the, you know, 33rd paragraph of a story. And, and um, so the media will constantly do things like that to play up certain aspects. And, and you really just have to, you have to understand that and you have to account for it in your, and be a, a savvy consumer of, of information when you're trying to figure out, um, you know, what the, what the truth is in the world. It's unfortunate, but that's, I mean, that's kind of why our, why our method of, of putting, you know, left versus right stories next to each other, why it works. And I think, you know, at least a certain percentage of the population likes it and enjoys it because they want to see both sides. They want to see whether it's, you know, just just to see what the quote unquote enemy is saying um, or or to actually, you know, have an open mind and be like, OK, I'm going to read, you know, Margaret Carlson and I'm going to, you know, evaluate her argument. And then I'm going to read Roger Kimball and evaluate his argument and decide for myself which argument I think has more merit and more, you know, is more fact based and, and whatnot. So I think we are serving that piece of of the public. I think it's an important role that we play. Um, but it's, it's kind of unfortunate that it has to come down to that because again, ideally you'd like to be able to just go someplace and get, get the straight facts on what's, what's happening in the world on a daily basis, but you can't do that anymore. As an, as evidence of your, of the 
discussion, just look at real clear news over time, real clear politics over time. There was a time when Tom Bevan started this and his partner started this years ago, uh, that these stories were taken from newspapers almost exclusively and from the journals of opinion exclusively from the left and the right. But now you see, uh, well, I see links to uh, independent journalism. I see links to JonathanTurley.org, which wasn't a newspaper. JohnCastNews.com. I, I <laughs> this very yeah. morning, a lot of Substack because uh, you have more and more people doing independent journalism via Substack and Medium and the like. And so, yeah, it's it is um, in that sense. I think there there is the media universe has has expanded right um and and you know sort of uh deconstructed a little bit people aren't just relying on you know the New York Times the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal I mean, no, that was the away. you know 20 years ago that's and the Chicago Tribune I mean that's kind of when we started this thing that's what it was yeah um and you had you know the blogosphere and all these things people um that was sort of the the embryonic version of I think what we have going now, where you have you have big name journalists that are out on their own. Uh, you know, Barry Weiss, her Substack, where she's getting lots of people to write for her. you, John, doing your thing and getting people like Steve Huntley and uh, you know others to write for you. Um, they've become little sort of mini publishing companies uh, of great content on their own. Now, do they? Do they all have the resources of the you know newsroom of the New York Times or the Associated Press to cover? It? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't. So, so in that sense, it's it's not a replacement for wire services and and big news organizations that can cover you know sort of the the daily grind of news. But but nevertheless, important uh, voices to be added to the the. Um, you know, the public square when it comes to looking at some of these very, very important and timely issues. And, and, and also you're doing more and more. I see excellent stuff coming from real clear itself. Philip, Philip Wegman and others, others on your staff are writing their own uh, excellent analyses and uh, breakdowns of the news. And uh that takes a lot of work, Tom. That takes a lot of work. I can only, I can barely edit my own columns and those of uh, <laughs> a few. You know, you have, you have all these balls jumping in the air. I'm sure your staff must stretch from here to the far horizons. Well, um, no, we're still a, we're still a pretty small operation, and I mean, Carl runs you know runs that piece of the business. So, Phil Wegman, Susan Crabtree report to report to Carl in terms of, you know, what they're going to cover. And Phil's at the white house pretty much every day. So he's writing about the president. He's writing about, um, you know, some of these uh, issues from, from the white house perspective and, and Susan's based in California, but she ventures to Washington, but she's, she does more sort of enterprise investigatory stuff. Um, And then we've got, you know, we've got our columnist, A.B. Stoddard and, uh, you know, Sean Trendy's our, senior political analyst. And so, yeah, we've, we've been doing that for a long time. Um, it's an important part of the mix because we want to have, 
you know, our own original content that people can't find anywhere else. We don't want you just want to be a complete aggregator of other people's content, right? Where we see ourselves as sort of a hybrid publisher. Um, and, and Carl does, a, you know, he does a lot of editing and he's very, very good at it. And, he, and obviously he writes a lot himself. I mean, he wrote a daily newsletter for like 10 years Yes, that, that was as good as any, I always marveled. I was like, how do you get up and write that, you know, five days a week, you're writing 500 to a thousand words that is as good or better than anything else that's out there every day. I mean, he's because really, there's a hole, there's a hole in the, in the paper or real clear politics. And Carl is a pros pro. Yeah. And he signed on to fill it and he yeah. does it excellently. Yeah. He did it excellently. Well, now he's doing it two times. We, we, yeah. we finally had to dial him back to a couple times a week. Um, Cause it was just, you know, getting to be too much. And he wanted to write, you know, other things and, longer form pieces for us and things of like that, which we felt was a, probably a you know better use of his time. So Can you please, uh, if, since you talk to him often and I don't want to overstep by trying to go behind your back and I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> I, I want, I would like, since you've been so helpful to me in uh, uh, having me, you know, trying to get me to run for mayor and so forth. Yes. Uh, How's that going by the way? Yeah, it's going well. Uh I I just thought maybe you could ask Carl if he wants to write a piece uh, for me or for some guy named Tom Bevan on taking Tom Bevan fishing in the fall because (laughs) uh, the salmon will be running. We'll have to uh, do that. You have to, you have to be kind to Carl because when the salmon start running, uh, you don't want him, you know, bothered with politics in October. <laughs> I think Carl, Carl has three great loves in his life, other than his wife, obviously. One is journalism. The other, uh, horse racing and fishing. Those are that, that's it. So he loves to, he, I mean, he's more of a fly fisher, to be honest, yes. but, but, uh, that's his deal. So we're absolutely in. And he's been trying to get me to go fishing with him for years. I've never, never made it. So we'll, well definitely river we'll do that. North. There we go. All right. Awesome. Sounds good. Tom Bevan, thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks, Dan. Always great to be with you guys. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for being here. For Tom Bevan, co-founder, president of Real Clear Politics, which runs independent news as well as news from the large mainstream media. And you'll, you'll see some interesting finds there. I know. As the publisher of uh, John Cass News, I I appreciate it most hi- most highly. And for Jeff Carlin, future physics teacher, my friend, co-host here for years, master of pies, friends to cats, who told me how right before we started this that uh, today that he was wrestling with cats, which. Put an image in my mind that I'd rather not. (laughs) And for me, John Cass, husband, father, Greek Orthodox Christian, editor-in-chief of johncassnews.com. And where are you with all that's going on in the country, in the city, under the broken streetlights? Of the Chicago Way? Well, you've been on the Chicago Way. And join us again next time, won't you?
for another edition of the Chicago Way podcast on WGN+.